Our scripture passage today is another one of these verses that we call life verses. These verses that uh, just sum up and define and ground the faith for us. And the verse that we're reading today is from Paul's letter to Galatians, chapter 2, verse 20. Before we read this, let us pause for a moment in prayer. Good and gracious Father, as we come before your holy word, we ask for your illumination and your spirit to guide us. Father, as you inspired these words to be written so long ago, inspire us again, that as we hear, that as we read, that we may truly understand and be transformed, and not only by the word that is spoken and read, Lord, but by the word that indwells and transforms us in our hearts. Lord, bless this holy reading of your holy word. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This is Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Listen now to the word of the Lord. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When the first European explorers reached the shores of America, they discovered a race of people that they didn't even know existed. And, and with this new land and this new people discovered, it opened up all kinds of new exciting possibilities for Europe and the European people. And one of those possibilities they were most excited about was the opportunity to evangelize to a people that had never heard of Jesus Christ. And so a whole host of missionaries were sent overseas to the Native Americans to preach to them about the goodness and the saving power of Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And it was overall a good thing. It was very good that they went to go preach the gospel. That's something we're commanded to do. And especially for those who had never heard of the gospel, they needed to hear it. However, there are some ways in which they preached the gospel or shared Christianity that were not always Christian. One of the examples that, that stands out to me is the insistence that the European missionaries had that the converted Native Americans would wear European clothes. They said, if you were a Christian, you had to dress like a Christian. And that meant the Native Americans had to give up all their, their, the native headdresses and their native wear, and they had to wear long pants and a white shirt and a heavy wool jacket and a hat and shoes because this is how Christians looked. And if you were going to be a Christian, then you had to look like a Christian. And see, these missionaries were making a very common mistake. They were mistaking their faith, which is trust and belief in Jesus Christ, with an expression of faith, which is dressing a certain way to display and to show your faith in Jesus Christ. Easy common mistake to make, right? But, but we don't do that anymore. We know better. We are enlightened people. We have learned from these past mistakes. And we don't confuse expressions of faith that, you know, or can change from one person to the next with the real faith because we know better. That's not really true, though. 
We know it's not really true. We make the same mistake and we confuse expressions of faith with faith itself and we do it all the time. We get so hung up on the way that we do worship and the way that we express our faith and we begin to believe that it is faith itself and it's got to be done in just this way. Let me give you some examples. And these are examples that I've heard people say to me, but I want you to let you know that none of the people are here in church today, okay? I'm not talking about any of you. All these examples, I'm, I was very deliberate. To any examples I would use are people that are not members of this church, okay? So if you think this way, I'm not pointing yet, yeah, I'm not doing this to point you out, okay? It's just a coincidence, okay? So I apologize beforehand. But the examples of way that we've confused expressions of faith with faith itself. There was a guy I met, and he looked at me, and he said, You know what? A hymn's got to be sung out of a hymn book. I refuse to sing any song without a hymn book. If you put it on the screen, I'm not going to see it. Because real hymns have to be sung in a hymn book. And if it's not real hymns, then it's not real praise. I refuse to do it. Another guy in the same way said, I can't sing hymns at your church because you don't have a screen. When I sing hymns, I have to raise my hands. If I'm not raising my hands, it's not real praise. It's not real worship. Can't do it. People have told me before, if I'm not reading the King James Bible, I'm not reading the real Bible. You're not really getting the real Word of God unless you're reading the King James Bible because we all know that God speaks in King James English. I've heard people say that the uh, like non-denominational charismatic services, they're not real worship. It's just entertainment. It's not real worship at all. And then some of those people from those charismatic churches come to me and say, your church isn't real worship. Because you're not being enthusiastic enough. you got to show spirit. you got to show emotion. If it's going to be real worship. I've heard people tell me that we don't sing the right songs. That you got to have the right liturgy. That unless you have a real priest, you're not having real communion. That unless you get baptized in a certain volume of water, then your baptism isn't real. And I will say, to my shame and regret... That I've done it too. I have mistaken expressions of faith for faith itself. And I'm sorry to say it wasn't that long ago. I remember going to a church. It was Easter Sunday. And it was one of the more uh, charismatic, non-denominational churches. And, and one thing I like about Easter Sunday is singing, Jesus Christ is risen today. We'll do it every Sunday as long as I'm here. The first hymn. You know what I'm talking about? Jesus Christ is risen today. Uh, that one right there, okay? you got to sing it on Easter Sunday. And I went to this church, and they didn't sing it. And I was getting mad. They were singing more songs. They never sang this one. And the further they went on, the angrier I was getting. I was like, this isn't Easter. You've got to sing Jesus Christ is risen today in order to be Easter. And I stewed the whole service, and I was mad when I left. They weren't doing it right. We all do it. We have these expressions of faith, these, these outward signs of how we ex exercise and practice our faith, and they're good. We all have them. We have to have them. They're important to have. But the problem is we do them long enough, we begin to think these expressions of faith is our faith. And you have to do it just in this way or it's not real but the truth is what we wear 
what you sing, how you worship. That's the easy stuff. That's the easy stuff. And that's not our faith at all. That's just expressions of faith. In fact, our faith is so much more demanding than just singing a few songs and worshiping in the right way. Our faith is a belief and trust in Jesus Christ. Our faith is a belief and a trust in Jesus Christ that is so complete that we give our life to Christ. It is so complete that we allow him not only to transform who we are on our actions on the outside, we allow him to transform us starting with the inside and working its way out. Our faith in Jesus Christ is to change who we are and to change our life, or in the words of the Apostle Paul, to be crucified with Christ. Now in this work, that uh, what Paul wrote, this verse, he wrote it in a letter to the Galatians. And in this whole letter of Galatians, if you read Galatians, especially in the beginning, Paul is talking a lot about expressions of faith and how we confuse expressions of faith with faith itself. And this was the very early days of the church. And see, even in the early days of the church, they were messing it all up and they were confusing expressions of faith with faith itself. And, and at this point in the church, Christianity was still very much Jewish. It was most of the Christians were Jews, and there was, it was still this big Jewish movement that was, that was just now beginning to be called Christianity. And so there were still lots of Jewish rituals that were being done by these Christians. They were wondering how important they were. There were things like having to ritual bathe and dress a certain way and wear your hair a certain way and eat certain foods and do certain rituals and uh, practice the rite of circumcision. And so they were arguing and they were fighting about how important these things still are. And there was a large party in the church that was saying, we have to do them. We have to still wash a certain way and eat a certain way and practice circumcision and stay away from certain foods and wear the certain kind of clothes because this is our faith. So Paul, when he's writing in Galatians, he comes back and he says, no, these are expressions of our faith. These rituals. This washing, the, the food and the clothes, these things can't save you. These things can't make you holy. And, and as expressions of faith, they're perfectly fine. They're even good. They're great things to do. But it's not faith. And it's certainly not saving faith. Our faith is a lot more difficult than wearing clothes or eating food. It's a lot more difficult than singing songs or even tithing or, or going on missions or, or giving everything up to give to the poor. Our faith is being crucified with Christ. Now when he says crucified with Christ, of course, he's not meaning a literal crucifixion. We're not saying that you've got to go out and take nails and drive them into the palm of your hand and go hang up on a cross and I'm going to tell you, I'm very thankful that's not what it means. What Paul's talking about when he says being crucified by Christ, he's, he's, he's expressing to us the level of absolute commitment and submission that we give to Jesus Christ. And we give our life to Jesus Christ. He becomes our Lord and our Savior, which means you're no longer the master of your life. You're not the master anymore. You are now a slave to Jesus Christ. 
That as he's given you eternal life, you give him everything. Your life, your soul, your obedience and all. And being crucified with Christ means that old person you were is, is, is dead and he's nailed to the cross. Doesn't even exist anymore. That person's gone. He's dead and he's buried and he's not coming back. The lordship of Jesus Christ is so complete in you. that You've become a new person. That's when Paul says, it's, not only have I been crucified with Christ, I'm not, it's not even me that lives anymore. Now it's Christ that lives in me. And he doesn't mean that Christ is controlling us like we're a puppet and he's just pulling the strings and he's just moving us along. Because if Christ had complete control of us, then we wouldn't sin anymore. We'd be perfect. And we'd be feeding five thousands with five loaves and fish and walking on water and raising the dead. But we're not doing those things. We're still struggling with our old sinful self. Because Jesus isn't controlling us, but he lives in us, though. We've begun this new life. The old is dead, is, is gone, it's crucified with Christ on the cross, and now Jesus lives in us. Now he's given us a new life. Of course, what that means is we have to live different now. We can't live in that same old way that we lived before we knew Christ. But Paul says, he says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And what he means by this life in the flesh, he means I'm still living this life in the body. That's what the flesh is, this life that I live in the body. And it's the same body it was. Even though I've been crucified with Christ, the death and resurrection isn't my physical body, at least not yet. It will be one day, but for now it's that spiritual death and resurrection. We've been given a new life within our spirit. We've not been given a new life in our body, as in we haven't turned back the clock and become young again, I'm sad to say. But he's given new life in our spirit. And he's transformed us, so now we have to live differently because we're still living in the flesh. We're still living this outside world and this outside life, and that is the life that's going to be different because now we live by faith in Jesus Christ, and this changes the way we live. It changes the way we express our faith. It changes how we act, how we treat others. It even changes how we eat, how we live, how we marry, how we engage in relationships, how we do business with other people. The transformation is a spiritual transformation, but the change that happens in our life also happens in the body because we still live this life in the flesh. But the life I now live in the flesh is directed by my faith in Jesus Christ. And that means first having the moral change. I can't go do those evil, sinful things that I did before. I know I still stumble in them, but I repent from those and I change. These things are commands. But what also changes is now we want to express our faith. Now we want to change how we live our lives and the things that we do to show that we have faith in God now. And that means things like coming to church and singing songs. That means worshiping. It means giving God part of our wealth and a tithe and offering. It means being baptized. It means undergoing, uh, participating in communion. It means reading our Bible. It means praying, sometimes even doing something like fasting. And these are all good. 
These are all wonderful expressions of our faith. But we should never mistake it for faith itself. Faith is being crucified with Christ. Our faith is trusting Jesus with our life. See, we can forget this. It's easy to forget this, and when we forget this, we confuse how we worship with why we worship. We confuse how we worship, how we do our worship, with the very reason why we worship to begin with. And, and, the, and the danger is greater than, than, than insulting other people for the way they worship or thinking ours is better than theirs. There's, there's a greater danger in this. If we believe, start to believe that these expressions of faith are faith itself, then we start falling into that trap to thinking that these things we do are what saves us. That the way we worship and the rituals and the clothes we wear and the way we talk, that these are the things that make us holy and righteous and these are the things that can save us, but they can't. And these are the very same people that Paul was arguing with here in Galatians. He was arguing with people who thought that if they ate the right food and they took the right baths and they went through the right sacrifices and rituals and, and underwent circumcision, that they would be saved and they would be righteous can't save you because these are just expressions of faith and we fall into the same trap and we will if we're not careful we get confused into thinking that that if i go to church then maybe that will save me and make me righteous or if i give enough money then that will save me or if i or if i go on missions or if i read my bible or if i become a sunday school teacher and these are all good and these are all things that i want you to do but they're not going to save you they're not going to make you righteous. They won't make you holy. Only faith in Jesus Christ can save you. And these things that we do are just expressions of our faith. They have to happen because we live in the flesh. And because we have these bodies, and this is a way our faith becomes manifest in the world, but they can't save us. The only way to be saved is to be crucified with Christ. There was this a woman who had posted on Facebook about her faith, her faith journey. And uh, she was talking about how she went from an immature faith that she didn't understand faith well to now today she's got a real genuine faith and she's got the pictures to prove it. She heard before pictures she said, look at me back in the day when I thought I was practicing real faith. And, and she shows a picture of her. She's dressed kind of like you'd expect a suburban mom to dress. I know that's a stereotype, but that's what I thought of, right? You know what I'm talking about, too. She was dressed as this cute suburban mom, and she was out in the coffee shops doing Bible studies. And she says, oh, I didn't understand real faith then. That was just immature faith. Now I understand real faith. Now she doesn't go to coffee shops for Bible studies. Now she goes to the inner city to feed the poor and to work in soup kitchens and to prove that her faith is genuine and transforming. Now she has a nose ring and dreadlocks. Now, I don't know how her faith was transformed. If she says it's transformed, I'll take her word for it. It probably is. But my bone of contention with her post is that what she showed me was not a transformation of faith. 
what she showed me, she gave up one expression of faith for another expression of faith. And wearing capris and doing Bible studies in coffee shops is just as good an expression of faith as having a nose ring and dreadlocks and serving as a, in a soup kitchen in the inner city. However you choose to express your faith, at the heart of it must be a total and complete trust in Jesus Christ, not only as your Savior, but as your Lord as well. You must be crucified with Christ. To trust Him so much that you trust Him with your life. And you can trust Jesus with your life. And Paul shows it this way. He says, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. And listen to this part here. Who loved me and gave himself for me. The Son of God who loved me gave himself for me i want you to take a second and just take that in jesus christ the son of god who loved you and he gave himself for you just digest that let it become a part of you jesus christ the son of god loved you and he gave himself to you he gave himself for you What that means is we can trust Jesus with, with our life because he trusted us with his. That's what his sacrifice was. Willing to go on a cross and willing to die, believing that it was worth it. In other words, Jesus believed you were worth it. Jesus believed your life was worth him giving his life. His death on the cross was an act of faith in you. He trusted you with his life. Now it's time to trust him with your life. This life we live in the flesh. We live by faith in the one who loved us and gave himself to us. This means life is different for us now. But however you decide to express your faith, make it real. Make it genuine. Make it mean something. It doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. But it's got to mean something to you. Your expression of faith has got to be some way for you to say with your life, I have died with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. To God be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.